and welcome to Backstage, the entertainment podcast from Sky News. And it's a slightly reduced team this week. Just me, Sky News entertainment reporter Claire Gregory and Stevie Wong, entertainment interviewer and blogger of the World of Wongy Facebook page, all the way from New York. Howdy. I know, I feel like there's a there's a missing space in, in, in our in our heart right now because Arcadia is on vacation in Spain. How dare she? There's certainly a missing space in my studio right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we'll manage to lure her back once she returns from, uh, yes. from the sunshine. So coming up, Stevie's going to give us all the gossip from Kanye's all-star listening party for Yay. I have never been more excited for a feature on Backstage. Plus, we'll be talking about all the best bits from the Ivan Novellos. I've been really cool walking around with it. Now I'm going to go back and stare at it and go, holy crap, I just won this thing. And we'll be going back in time to when Rose just wouldn't make room for Jack on that door. The love story was so profound to me and, and so, so real. So, Stevie, it does actually sometimes feel like we should rename this podcast Yeezy News, but <laughs> we can't not talk about Kanye West this time because you've been hanging out with him. Tell us oh everything. Gosh. Tell us everything. So just when you think that we were done after he trolled us with those two songs and you're like, all right, well, you know, hopefully Kanye's going to, gonna, you know, release something interesting in the next couple of months. All of a sudden I get a call last week and it was like, hey, can you get on a plane to go to Wyoming for a Kanye West listening session? And I was like, wait, these, these words don't make sense. Wyoming and Kanye West? And so I, of course, said yes to the experience. And basically, what had happened was Kanye announced to his label that he wanted to invite a bunch of, you know, insiders and influencers and music people and his friends uh, all the way to a ranch in Wyoming. And he flew 150 of us on a, you know, charter planes from both L.A. and New York. And we all went to Wyoming. And it was it was kind of the most surreal borderline amazing thing that I've ever had happen in my life. It was it was it was crazy. Incredible. And, if you weren't such a reliable witness, I would think that you were fibbing about this. Yeah, totally. And and you can just see this like question mark on so many other people's faces too. It's like this is happening, right? And so even when uh, we were on the plane, and this is so Kanye. It's like when you ask anybody from the record label what's going on, they were all like, we don't know. We really don't know. All we know is that we have to get you guys over there and we'll figure it out from there. And so information was literally dissipated via text. It's like, be downstairs at this time, get on this bus. And so we were just always on standby the whole 24 hours. And it was it was pretty cool. And so you get you go to Wyoming, which is this place called Jackson Hole, and it's beautiful. So then you you have this like gorgeous, you know, there's snow-capped mountains and it's just like, you know, trees and 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 it's like horses and it's just the most beautiful backdrop. It's super broke back mountain. And like all of a sudden we're getting on a bus and we're going to this ranch and it's 150 journalists um, and hipsters and, you know, all these. And then next thing you know, you see Naz there. And then Chris Rock is there. I was going to say then... there's a load of celebrities there as well. It wasn't just for journos. He kind no. of got, got all his celeb mates there, not to mention his wife, of course. Yes. So Kim does show up and, you know, you, you walk, you look over and all of a sudden, what had happened was we were all eating and then all of a sudden you see the whole room, like, turn around and, like, a 
swarm of people started to move to one corner of the room. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, what's what's happening? Because I'm nosy. And then so I walk over, and, and, you know, she's not very tall. And so you're kind of, like, going, looking through, like, heads. And and um, there she was. Kim was there and, and, and smiling with her husband and... Uh, you know, Kanye looked happy. He was super, super happy. I think he was very excited about this album. And, you know, all these people walked up to him to congratulate him. He took selfies with people, which was really sweet. Did you and get a selfie with him? I tried, but, you know, when you're when it's 10 deep, you know, and yeah. you're trying slowly to move up toward... And and, and he kept on moving, so then the, the crowd would kind of shift with him. So <laughs> it was just like this little weird little swarm of people just, like, moving. She left by then. And so um, by the time it was uh, time to premiere this album, he sent us all out back into the fields... And there was, like, this fireplace in the center of, 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 of the grounds, and everybody just crowded around this, like, bonfire. And Chris Rock came out and did an introduction, and then they went on to play seven songs, basically the album Yee for us. And at that time, we didn't even know what the album was called, and it wasn't until Chris Rock said the name was Yee that, that we knew that that was the album. And we didn't know the name of the tracks, and we just had to hear the album right then and there. And it was hilarious, because it's like 100, almost, you know, maybe 200 people, and they're dancing around like a bonfire. And all of a sudden, like, Kanye comes out and he starts dancing with everybody. So people were just having a brilliant time. Um, so was it like on big speakers, if you're all outside? Yeah, it was, it, yeah, they, they had surrounded the whole area with these speakers. And so it was more like a, I mean, it was probably the best sound system I've had, like, listened outdoors in a long, long time. And so people were dancing and and it was a, a major party. And uh, and and then, of course, <clears throat> the second it ended, they played the album again. So I ran inside and started, like, tweeting and, like, Instagram, you know, Instagramming. But then no one else was doing it because they were all having such a good time. It's like, <laughs> this is my journalistic side. Like, I'm such a nerd. And so... <laughs> so Actually, it's no job, guys. Can you stop having fun, please? <laughs> oh, everybody was out there, like, dancing again. And so for a good, I would say, 15 to 20 minutes, I had the world exclusive of, like... You know, samples of the songs Brilliant. that I like. And so my traffic on both Instagram and, and uh, Twitter has never gone through this much, like, movement before. I mean, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And just people were just, like, retweeting and loving. And, you know, and uh, yeah, for a good 20 minutes, I was the only person that was diligent enough to post um, stuff about the album, which I thought was the most hilarious thing. So, Our yes. little Stevie. I've never been prouder. Thank you. <laughs> and, and then, of course the thing is the album is it's good isn't it it's really yeah. good because it came out a couple of days later on general release oh no it came out that evening oh, and that here's a little evening? what happened was this is like again another Kanye situation the album was supposed to come out at midnight and then there was some problems and so it actually didn't come out until maybe like 30 to 45 minutes later it turns out that he didn't get certain samples cleared um, <laughs> so the legal department of the record label were like pulling I mean they were they were bald by now because they were pulling out their hairs going yeah. like we need to get this done and so um, typical Kanye you know it's an, always an adventure with that man and, uh, and and yes, the album's good. It's, it's really it's a, good. Yeah. And so when you listen to it, it was imagine being out in the in the field listening to that. That was a real surreal experience. I I, I don't know. It, was it very sounds strange. like the best festival ever, almost outside yeah. bonfires, amazing sound system. There you go. And if only all festivals were only 150 people, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and on and a just, ranch, you know, and, on, and on a ranch, and then yeah, and then just play seven songs and we're out. Um, so uh, he actually, after the whole thing ended, we all got kind of 
brought back into town because this this ranch was an hour outside. And so we go back into town, and then the um, the record label person was like, "Oh yeah, if you want, there's an after party, and they're gonna be there." By then, I was like, oh, "I'm really tired," so I went back to my room. Um, and then it turns out he went with his buddies to this little bar called the Cowboy Bar in town, and he just danced with people and just had a. Re he was he was in the best shape. It was it was kind of amazing, like like hearing about him. Uh, I and cannot what he, believe that you turned that opportunity down. I, I listen. I was so tired by then that I was like I could barely keep my eyes open. <laughs> and my room. This is I mean not to brag, but my room had a had a hot tub and a fireplace. I was not giving up like an <laughs> evening of just one night in this kind of amazing experience. So Living I was like, the easy life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets better. So then the next morning we all get on back on the buses to the plane, and this one boy comes on with these Yeezy a easy box of shoes and we're like what's going on and he's like oh yeah they're passing around shoes outside and then so people tried to get off the plane to get these shoes but then they wouldn't allow us because we'd already checked in so people were freaking out there's like a mini like kind of revolution going on that people wanted to get those easy shoes in the end they brought the shoes to us and so at the but when we left and we landed and back in new york they were passing out the shoes again but it was hilarious how people were like freaking out um are you wearing your shoes right now as we record uh sadly by the time i got to them uh they only had like small sizes so mm -hmm. i picked one up and i'm gonna pass it on to a friend of mine i'm very i'm a good friend so i just want you to know that that's gonna make you extremely popular know, um, right? i'm a seven so i don't know what you've oh <laughs> maybe, maybe i'm gonna mail this to you then. <laughs> so what's your sense of kanye obviously Recently, we've talked about him in maybe not always the best light. He's done some strange stuff. He has some opinions that can be quite controversial. Did he seem likable? Well, I mean, I've never seen him smile this much in my life. And so that was really interesting to watch him be really happy. And, and I don't know if being out in the middle of, you know, the fields and the ranches and stuff made it like a, a safe place for him. And so he felt really open and, and just creative. And, you know, he invited all of these other uh, collaborators to come to, to Wyoming to record with him. And every week now, we're going to get new material from, from that's either associated with Kanye or he's going to be a part of. So next week, we have the Kanye West Kid Cudi uh, collaboration, and then Naz is coming out with an album the following week, and then the final week is going to be Kanye with Tiana Taylor. So there's he's he got really creative over there, and so um, I think Wyoming is his happy place, and I'm really happy that he found it. I'm just really happy that you and him are such good pals now. Yeah, He just flies you around yes. and yes. takes you to his listening parties and... You know, I feel like we have a direct link to Kanye now. Mm, we do. I think we do. And, you know, uh, just, and I know he listens to this podcast. So, you know, <laughs> hey, easy. Um, but it is, it is really strange to, to be invited to one of these things because um, most of the people around me were major social influencers. And so watching them kind of experience this, and it seems pretty normal to them. And they, they this one kid, you know, change clothes three times throughout the day. And I was like, you know, no really? one's watching you. Yeah. And so there's this really strange way of how they kind of interacted and how they felt that they should be like in the presence of Yeezy and how they need to like dress up and they had to act and stuff. So it was just from an observational standpoint, it was just the strangest, most surreal uh, 24 hours. It really was 24 hours. I don't know if I'll ever experience something like that again. In the meantime,
time, of course, back in the UK, I was also hanging out with music stars, although not in quite in such a bizarre circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at the um, Ivan Novello Awards. Now, these awards are really prestigious. They're peer-to-peer. They recognise songwriting rather than performing. So some of the categories sound slightly odd. You have things like best song musically and lyrically might be a category and and it's why you had say Johnny from Snow Patrol on stage with Ed Sheeran because they both wrote Shape of You although most mm. people only associate it with Ed. So are, are you guys aware of the Ivers at all in the US? Are they a known thing at all Stevie? Unfortunately it's not a known uh, award but you know over the years because you know I listen to a lot of British music and I read the news and stuff I've heard about it but I just didn't realize how big of an award ceremony it was. Yeah it's, it is quite a big deal here and certainly in the industry I think your average sort of Joe on the street wouldn't be too bothered but people in the music biz seem to they, they get more excited about these than they do about some of the others um, and actually some of the US stars even seem pretty blown away. Lionel Richie was there and very pleased with himself after being given the special international award. Award. I asked him how he was going to celebrate. I'm going to go back to my room now and look at it for a while because I haven't had a chance to really stare at it. You know, I'm, I've been really cool walking around with it. Now I'm going to go back and stare at it and go, holy crap, I just won this thing. But they gave it to me. Let me just say this. You don't win this. You know, it's it's really your peers saying, let's give it to this guy. And, and that's the brilliance, you know. I, that's what I love about it the most. And they're celebrated songwriters. This is not amateur hour so I, I take this very very proudly Billy Ocean was also there a bit of a legend he got the International Achievement Prize I chatted to him about he's got this massive UK tour coming up it starts this year but goes right into next year and he explained that despite being slightly older than some musicians you might see out there he's not going to be stopping anytime soon when you get to my age I'm 68 years old now you know I'm, I'm sort of there, there isn't many years left so let me enjoy it let me you know the thing that I'm doing I know that what I do I make a lot of people happy so then why are you going to have that ability and talent and keep it away from people I think that's terrible. I mean, I will stop if I get ill and something, but please go, touch wood, I'm in good health and people still want me and I know that when I go out there and I go on that stage, I see people laughing and smiling and singing and enjoying themselves now. What am I going to do? And then through that I enjoy myself as well. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't think there's nothing else for me like it. You know, the reasons for doing it far outweighs the reasons for not doing it. Also, there was Stormzy. He got the album award for Gang Sign and Prayer. He only spoke on the way into the ceremony, so he didn't come in after winning into the winner's room and, and kind of chat to us about any reaction. And on his way in, he really wasn't keen on chatting about much, refused to be drawn on his next album. It's going really well, I'd like to think. <laughs> I will not reveal anything. It will just hear it and then we'll, okay. we'll go from there. Well, how did you feel about the Ivers nomination? Is that a special one? Yeah, very special, man. Very, like, I, I, as I, I've, I've said it a few times, but I've, uh, it's, I feel like you're being judged solely on your pen and your art and like everything as an artist. You're not being judged on like the, you know, like the Twitter followers and the flipping status and all of that. It's just about your pen. So in that sense, I think it's, it's one of the most special ones, yeah. So the best song musically and lyrically, which is kind of arguably the big prize of the night, 
well, the day actually, but it went to Elbow. It's not the first time they've won, but they say it did feel special because the song, Magnificent, she says, is from their first record following the departure of drummer Richard Jupp. Here's frontman Guy Garvey. Starting this record, we were in unfamiliar territory for that reason. Uh, and so it means a lot more because of that, because it's the first one we've done, just the four of us, and with it being a complete collaborative effort, a member leaving is changes the whole dynamic. So, for, uh, in a lot of ways, this is our first album in this band. So to win it on their lead single, it's really, you know, important. And Elbow, of course, are a Manchester band. They played at the One Love Benefit a year ago following the Manchester Arena bombing. And I asked Guy about the city's response to the tragedy, and he was understandably pretty emotional as we chatted about that. I, I just moved away from Manchester. I moved to London because uh, I've got uh, a one-year-old son. So I'd, I'd just moved to London and was still very much missing home. I'll always miss Manchester, you know. Uh, I'll still work there with the lads, which tops it up, but uh, so the day itself was so distressing, so affecting, horrible in the true sense of the word. And um, my wife said, get on a train and go home. Uh, and I made it in time for the gathering in Albert Square where Tony, who's an old pub friend of mine, read out that beautiful poem. Um, I'm sorry, it really gets to be this. I've, I've never been so proud of the city as the way it's met the horror with, with love and not with violence or with resentment, you know. You made him cry. I felt so bad. I love Elbow. They're like my favourite <laughs> band, honestly. And I got really a bit flustered. I probably shouldn't admit this, but I did get a bit kind of starstruck and I really like them. And, I, and anyway, I asked the question and then Guy Garvey's really upset and I'm just thinking, oh no. oh no, what have I done? But I think, you know, it's one of those things that we all... We all feel pretty emotional about back in the UK. Yeah. And uh, obviously a year on, it's been pretty raw time recently. Ariana, of course, herself has been in the headlines for various reasons. She got um, a new B tattoo, which is the symbol of Manchester. That was one reason. But also, did you see her response to a fan who was quite critical of her split from um, Matt Miller? Did you see that, Stevie? I did. And, and you know... As much as, I, I mean, I like her as a pop star, but after reading her response, it really made me appreciate her uh, on a different level. Her, her response was so mature, actually, and, and, and really kind of um, authentic, and yet, you know, it's very, she, she held her own, and, and the guy apologized afterwards because he didn't realize what he had, you know, what he had basically said. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was amazing. So for anyone that kind of didn't see this, basically, a fan tweeted... Uh, after Ariana announced that she and Matt Miller had split, saying it was heartbreaking that they'd broken up and that, you know, basically saying it was Ariana's fault and something. And then she posted back, how absurd you minimise female self-respect and self-worth by saying someone should stay in a toxic relationship because he wrote an album about them, which, by the way, isn't the case. I am not a babysitter or a mother and no woman should feel that they need to be. I've cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years, and always will, of course, but shaming or blaming women for a man's inability to keep his shit together is a very major problem. I didn't share how hard or scary it was while it was happening, but it was. I'll continue to pray from the bottom of my heart that he figures it all out and that any other women in this position does as well. 
And of course he then apologised the fan. But you just think, well done, Ariana, because yeah. we need women like this or people like this just speaking out and saying these kind of things when they're in such kind of positions of influence in terms of being role models. And, and the way she handled it really was impressive. And, and, and just the phrasing of it was just a real, um, it just showcases her maturity. You know, back in the day, all I remember is Ariana licking that donut in public. And that was just kind of the reference I had of her as, as, a, as a young woman, you know, and it was, it was like, what are you doing, girl? And so this changes it. She's a woman now. And, and so I'm very happy that she's able to express herself the way she does. Yeah, I think, I mean, she was hugely lauded over here for organizing the One Love benefit following mm. the um, Manchester Arena bombing. Uh, and rightly so, because it was exactly the right response. And, and she she kind of, she did so well, and she is so young. And, but you just look at her in comparison to some of the other uh, female pop stars out there at the moment, and she's just absolutely smashing it. So yeah. I'm a big fan of Ariana. I say, let's have more like her, please. Let's go back in time now. Katie might not be with us, but that's not stopped her kind of delving into the archives to find us another Kate to be part of the podcast. So we'll go back to um, early 1998 in the UK when Kate Winslet had lobbied extremely hard for a particular role. Now, I didn't know this until I was researching for this bit, but actresses in the frame for the part had included Gwyneth Paltrow, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes and Reese Witherspoon. But Kate saw the opportunity and is reported to have sent daily notes to director James Cameron, which ultimately led to her being cast as Rose in Titanic. So it got her her second Oscar nomination and catapulted her to just absolute stellar global worldwide fame, you know, Titanic record breaking in all sorts of ways at the time and probably still is, to be honest. And back in 1998, Kate opened up to Sky News about her desire for the part and her relationship with James Cameron, who she famously told the LA Times at another point that she would only work with again for a lot of money. What happened was I was screen tested and, uh, and, and met Jim Cameron. And we talked a lot, and then I spoke to him a couple of times on the phone about more thoughts that I had and, and things in terms of the character and the storyline and everything. And then uh, eventually, um, when I really, really, really thought, I've got to get this, I've got to get this, I was phoning him all the time and saying, look, you just have to give me the chance. I really, I, I really know that I can do this. And, and there was a lot of that that, that went on. Because, I mean, life is short, and if you really want something, I, I honestly don't believe in, uh, in taking a back seat. So did you know right from the beginning that this really was going to be a monumental movie? You never know. You, you, you never know as an actor, but I certainly had tremendous confidence and faith that it would be something quite extraordinary. Step up onto the rail. The love story was so profound to me and, and so, so real. Um, I mean, no one knows what, what love is, but, but this to me spelt it out pretty clearly. and. Uh, and, and it, it was that that, that, I, that I so believed in. Now, there are a lot of rumours um, about what it's like to work with James Cameron. What were your experiences? He is hard, hard to work for, purely because he knows what he wants and has such a clear vision. But to me, that's, you know, that, that's it, really, as a director. Unless they know what they want, then, then, then you're wandering around lost and lonely as a cloud. Don't be worried about crosses and positions and all that for right now. That's not what it is. It was good for me to find that Jim and I communicated on the level of sort of perfecting everything. I mean, I'm such a perfectionist and so is he. And uh, we would keep going at it until it was absolutely right. It's amazing to think she was just 23 then. I know, and and you know that's kind of what I what I took away from that from that quote is that she 
you know, she's really kind of sure of herself and focused, and you know, and that that seems to be how she is still now. And so she's had that work ethic from the very beginning. And um, you know, most young actresses, they're just psyched that they have a role. But this is a woman that, like, you know, wrote to this man on a daily basis. She had notes for him. I mean, she gave notes to James Cameron, and that's pretty ballsy because the man is is an interesting person to work with, you know? And so the fact that she felt that she had a voice among this, this person is, is, um, is really impressive. He's got, a, like you say, a real reputation, but they're about to team up again on the new Avatar movies, or I think they're currently in production now. So it can't have been that bad. And just how incredible for her to have, you know, spotted that opportunity. I mean, I suppose Gwyneth Paltrow is arguably the same sort of stellar career as Kate Winslet, but some of the Claire Danes, for example, imagine if she'd got that part in Titanic, that would have completely changed her life. Oh my God, imagine if Winona Ryder got that part. Those like, <laughs> I won't even go there, but yes, it, uh, it would have been a different film altogether. <laughs> <laughs> would we even have Stranger Things now? I mean, that is true. That is true. Maybe Kate would have been in the Stranger Things. And that's kinda, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and we will indeed leave it at that so thank you for listening we always welcome your feedback questions suggestions for stuff you'd like us to cover people you'd like us to interview please do get in touch katie's not here but she's on instagram at spenny uh stevie where can people find you you can find me on twitter uh, as wongy one and i'm also on instagram claire sky showbiz and we shall see you next time hopefully reunited with uh, katie and back to full strength here at backstage bye